Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host, Rick Howick. And welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today is Dr. Aaron Barasano, who is superintendent of Catholic schools at the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange. Dr. Barasano, welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. Thanks, Rick. It's so great to be here this morning. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, and it's good to have you back. We've had you on a couple of times before, and this seemed like a very opportune time, not only because we've had so much um, disruption and change to everybody's schedules because of COVID, but also traditionally the end of January is, is what's become known as Catholic Schools Week, and it's time to talk a little bit more about Catholic schools. But before we do any of that, Dr. Bearson, if you'd be so kind, would you please open us with a word of prayer? Oh, yes, I'd be happy to. Good and gracious God, we thank you for your presence here among us, and we ask for your continued blessings on our schools here in the Diocese of Orange. Continue to bless our leaders, our teachers, our staff, our students, and our parents uh, so that we may continue this uh, very important uh, ministry. And we ask all this through your name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, Amen. D- Dr. Barasano, you've been superintendent here for about two and a half years, something like that? That's, yes, that's correct. I, I started in July 2018. And then you came out of the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. So you've had quite a, a, a background, uh, both in your education as a, you got your doctorate in education, as I recall, but also in your experience. Right. Have you ever seen a year like we've had this last year? I've never seen anything like this. Never. And, you know, the, the interesting thing is just when you when you think you're maybe getting a, a step ahead or maybe even just half a step ahead, uh, things change. It's been a, a really uh, uh, interesting uh, a year in Catholic schools and, and really in, in Catholic school leadership. Now, I know that it's hit hard uh, all over the country to Catholic schools and other schools, although... Catholic schools have, in general, been a little more flexible, I think. I think that's a fair way of putting it, than a lot of the public schools have, partly, I think, because we're smaller, we're nimbler, we're able to respond a little bit differently. How have you helped the schools in the Diocese of Orange respond differently, perhaps, I I dare say better, perhaps, than, than the other schools around you? What have you done differently? Well, I, I think that, you know, when organizations are faced with crisis, um, I think one of the most important things is to focus on mission. The, you know, the, the mission of Catholic education here in, in the Diocese of Orange is, is to create disciples of Christ, and we do this through academic excellence, faith formation, and service. And so our schools, you know, my staff and, and all of our schools were so, so committed to and focused on that mission that that was really our driving force. How, how are we, you know, in the midst of crisis, in the midst of pandemic, going to, uh, to pivot the way that we do things so that we can continue to carry on this mission? And so, you know, just kind of from an organizational standpoint, it does, um, I, I think, work to our benefit. Obviously, the, the size of, uh, of our schools, we, we do have some very large schools, but because of, again, that, that kind of uh, focus uh, 
and that North Star that has tied us all together. We've been able to pivot to to be flexible, uh, to make things work, to continue to to carry that on. And so, um, you know, when when we uh, closed down back in in March of last year, one of the first things that we did was to ensure that our teachers were equipped. And so we uh, partnered with Loyola Marymount um, and had some really good strong professional development for our teachers. You know, the other piece of that is ensuring that our students have access to technology. And so uh, uh, worked really hard to ensure that students had those devices and, and how are we going to distribute them. So all of, you know, all of these, these things. And I, I think that just underlying attitude and commitment to mission has um, has allowed our teachers to keep pushing forward because it's been uh, it's been very, very challenging for them. Well, that, that raises the next part of my question. How has the diocese been faring? You've started a new year. You're now about halfway through, or at least uh, on, on the better side of the first half of the way through. How's right. it been going? Overall, I do think that Catholic schools here in, in the Diocese of Orange have been just a beacon of light and of hope during some really dark times. We decided to push out the first day of school for our elementary schools two weeks. So we actually started on September 8th. And if you remember, that was when um, the county was offering waivers for in-person instruction, and, and we were still on the on the tiers then. And our hope was that we could begin an in-person instruction. And it really came down to the 11th hour that our our final three schools received their waiver. I think it was Labor Day, the, the day before. And, and Dr. Chow actually called me on on my cell phone on Labor Day to uh, to let me know. And um, and so we were wow. blessed to uh, to start the school year in person. And I think that has made a huge difference. You know, if you think back to to the, you know those those first days of school, um, what a difference as a teacher, as a, as a principal, as a parent, as a student yeah. to be able to experience that in person. And yeah. so um, so I do think right out of the gate that has been a game changer for us. You know, one of one of my focuses really is is focusing on the needs of our teachers. I remember you know being a teacher and how difficult it is. Anyway, it's just it's a challenging. Uh, job and uh, and it changes every day and um, I just I have so so much admiration and I'm just so grateful for the teachers in in our diocese they are are so committed to their students uh, to that mission that I mentioned and um and they lead with love they lead with love and uh, that has made all of the difference. Let's come back to the the teacher part in just a moment. The, the struggle to get through this has been tremendous in a number of of dioceses. I assume that the diocese here started with a lower enrollment than what they had the year before, not just because enrollments generally across the country have been been slowly deflating, but because of COVID. Is that true for this diocese as well? Did we start off lower? We did. We started off, uh, we were, let's see, about 700 uh, uh, students uh, down in the elementary schools, and this was from, from the from the previous year. I do think that the uh, again that in-person uh, option that we had for families has made a huge difference throughout the course of the year. We've been tracking enrollment um, weekly, as a matter of fact, and it just uh, thrills me to no end to to share with with the audience that our enrollment has grown um, oh, wow. over 300 students. Wow, 300 students since uh, since September. Okay, and so um, so that's almost half yeah. of what was lost in. Most dioceses kind of were staggered by how much loss they had this term. So right. it sounds like you were able to, to take it in stride to begin with, and you've had 300 more people come on board. That's incredibly good news. 
Um, it is. Why do you think that is? Is it just, is it because people are looking at the online education of the public schools and saying enough, or, or what's going on? Yeah, I, I think um, I do. I, I think that it's a combination of things. You know, one of, one of the things that, that we've done really well is offer options. And so while our preference is in-person instruction, you know, we do think that we have um, the most kind of uh, control over, over quality and ensuring a high level of instruction and, um, and equity as well. And, um, and so that's our preference. But we, we recognize that there are families out there who really need distance learning for whatever reason, and that is their preference. And so I think one of the things that, that again, we've done really well is work with families at the individual level to find the program that fits their family. And our schools, they've met that challenge of being flexible and of offering different options. Most of our students are in person, but um, uh, from we have about 30 um, elementary schools. About 20 of them are offering a distance learning option in addition to their regular in-person program. Okay, so hang on a second. Let me make sure I understand how that, that's working then. So the majority of your schools are offering some sort of a hybrid-type program? That's correct, yes. What does that look like? How, how does that work? Do they come in part-time or do they just stay home or both? Or neither? Yes. Um, yeah, both. Yeah, both. I mean, it looks different at each school. Um, you know, some of our larger schools have have dedicated teachers who really just teach uh, the distance learning students. Some of our smaller schools, really, it's uh, either Zoom or um, or live streaming the actual uh, instruction in the classroom to students who are at home, and they they connect with their uh, their Chromebooks or their iPads. So it's been, you know, it, it really uh, depends on, on the community and the extent that they've been able to offer distance learning. But um, but I think that in itself has been a game changer because, uh, again, it, it's given families that flexibility during a, a time that they've been shut in, right, and just need somebody to, to, to help them navigate this. And, and our schools have, uh, have done that very, very well. All right. So let's go back to March of this last year. Everybody in the state uh, was given the order to to shut everything down. Um, my understanding is a number of schools just kind of cut it. I know in my daughter's high school education, we're outside of the diocese. They ended up basically trying to, to continue some of the classes, but for the most part, most of the teachers just simply called their grade books what it was, and that was the end of her senior year. For Catholic education, how did you all end the year then? Well, you know, when I think when we went into this, most uh, uh, dioceses or school systems uh, anticipated a two or three week shutdown. We we had anticipated five weeks, but um, people forget but it didn't that. Turn out that way. People forget that, right, that? it was two yeah, weeks to flatten the curve, as I recall. Weeks, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the curve ain't flattened yet. <laughs> I've looked at parabolas before. This does not look like a flat curve. Right. <laughs> You so planned for we, five weeks, though. Okay. We planned for five weeks, and um, and you know, as I said, kind of right out of the gates, that was that was longer than most people thought, and so we were already kind of planning for the long term, whether that be five weeks, six weeks. It it ended up, you know, being the remainder of the school year, and so again, that we jumped right in with okay, you know, foundational things. What do teachers need? That professional development. What do we need to make sure our students have? They they need to have those devices, and so really jumping to action with all of those those foundational things, the end of the school year, we were so successful with distance learning that the quality of, uh, of instruction, there was still kind of some 
excitement in the air, <laughs> if, if you will. Yeah. And, you know, this was something new and it was innovative. And so one of the things I've been so impressed with, and I, and I just, I continue to, to be impressed with the level of creativity. This has pushed uh, people and, and particularly teachers to just think so creatively to how you, you deliver, um, you know, instruction and concepts and, um, and I think it's just amazing, both as, as an educator, as, as a parent, you know, as a lifelong student, I just, um, that, that continues to excite me. Our students continue to, to achieve uh, very, very well. And, and as we uh, took our, uh, our STAR test this fall, there was very, very little loss in learning in, in math and reading. So our, our teachers did a fantastic job. I want to come back to that STAR test and, and the actual results of what you did when we come back. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today is Aaron Barasana, who is uh, the superintendent of Catholic schools for the Catholic Diocese of Orange, our own diocese. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about how the scrambling to make it work worked and what they're building on for this year. And we'll be right back. The following is the voice of seminarian Ian Gaston from Mount Angel Seminary as he reflects on the joys of attending Mass and receiving the Eucharist. I remember a particular moment that was rather powerful. It was in 2016 in Poland when I was on a rural youth day trip in Częstochowa. We're in a really small chapel, and so normally when we receive the Eucharist, we line up and we we approach the minister, and it's pretty evident that we're going to get up there and we're going to receive our Lord. But here it wasn't the case. After the bishop communicated and received the Eucharist, we just had to part like the Red Sea and form two walls, and he would just pass along the walls distributing Holy Communion. And there wasn't a line to get in. It was, how am I going to get their Eucharist? How am I going to receive our Lord? And so that was one of the first times I had, I had really seen the evidence of people's thirst for the Eucharist. People were trying to receive the Eucharist. They were trying to get up into that front of the line. And so that was a really powerful moment of seeing what my interior should be whenever I'm at Mass. To never take it for granted that I'm going to receive the Eucharist, uh, but to really uh, cultivate a thirst for our Lord to receive Him because He so wants to give Himself to us. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today is Dr. Aaron Barasano, who is the superintendent of Catholic schools for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange. And Dr. Barasano, when we were talking and we had to take a break, you were mentioning that even though the year got tremendously up-tilted in March, the the diocesan schools were able to nimbly pivot and go to both retraining of teachers quickly while at the same time they're adapting and teaching an online program. And you made a comment that it seemed to work because of testing. What are you talking about? Well, every year in our diocesan schools, this is throughout the state of California, we conduct um, the STAR testing, which uh, which really is a, uh, a standard-based uh, test, a national test, and uh, we use that really to not only measure student achievement, but really student growth. That That's what we want to measure there is student growth. And we give those tests three times a year, and uh, and those uh, cover uh, math and, and reading, and that's, uh, that's for our elementary schools. 
and so if you you know kind of think back to uh, those standardized tests uh, when we were in school, the sure, like the Iowa, the yeah, bubble. sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, um, so they're they're uh, they're computer adaptive, and so we are able to to give those uh, three times a year. As a matter of fact, right now our, our schools are conducting uh, the kind of mid year star test. But um, in September, we uh, school uh, students came back to to school. We uh, gave those star tests. And um, we were really, really pleased with the results because that measures the learning from the previous year. And although we missed the window in May, going back to the January testing window of the, of the previous year, we were really, really pleased to see that uh, that most of our schools did, in fact, uh, show some growth across the diocese. There was uh, very, very little learning loss, I know. Uh, just in the education front, that was a big, big, a lot of conversation around the learning loss in uh, in distance learning and, and when schools shut down. And so our Catholic schools were able to, to continue that uh, high level of instruction. Our schools scored both in math and reading uh, across the diocese um, uh, in the uh, 75th percentile. So, so uh, oh, wow. that, that's phenomenal. That's, yeah. Those are phenomenal, phenomenal results. And I think that just goes to show that that high level of commitment that uh, that our teachers have to ensure that uh, that our students continue to learn despite the type of, of delivery of instruction that they're giving. You know, I, I go back to the mission that you were talking about earlier, and it's one of the hallmarks of Catholic schools that uh, the education you're receiving is actually not the primary purpose of being in Catholic school. The primary purpose of being in Catholic school is ministry. Which means, my experience with that has always been that the teachers are so dedicated that they're going to make anything work in order to to bring about what Jesus Christ wants them to do. Which it sounds like your teachers really rose to the occasion at the end of the school year to make sure, come hell or high water, we're going to get good instruction to these students. Right. It makes a difference. The idea that that everyone is on board in Catholic education as a community dedicated to ministry, the ministry of education being what they're doing, but with that dedicated spirit of we're going to do this for Christ's sake. And yeah. it sounds like they did. It sounds like they did in and spades. They, they did, absolutely, and um, and they continue to do this on a, on a daily basis, absolutely. That is something that uh, we've back in the old days, we just called the Catholic school difference, but it really is. You have a community where the teachers get to know the individual students over a course of years, and they get to know the families over a course of years, and the principals get to know the families over the years. And there are a lot of schools that are non-Catholic, especially the government schools, that are so big that that, even if the teachers are very good and very dedicated, they can't do that. But at a Catholic school, you not only can do that, that's part of the mission, is to get to know people so people can see Christ in the teacher, in the principal, in the parents, and in each other. I'm so glad to hear that it sounds like that that dedication is what's come through. What was the plan then for this year? Because I understand you had a busy summer. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, summer. What was that? Yeah. Uh, we had a we had a very busy summer. As, as we, you know, a lot a lot of moving parts, and it felt like that the target kind of kept kept moving uh, here, especially in our in our state here in California. But I think, that, you know, <laughs> that's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. The target kept moving. Yeah. OK. It did. <laughs> our um, our focus really was um, getting kids back in school for in-person instruction. When we even recognized that that was a possibility, that became our goal. 
So all of our work was, okay, how are we going to get kids back in uh, into our schools? The options were really, really important for us, you know, as, as part of our, our mission and really the philosophy of Catholic schools. Uh, we do look at parents as the primary educators and we partner with parents. And that, that's a, that's a longstanding tradition of Catholic education and something we feel so strongly about. We even put that in our, um, in our mission statement here. And so, you know, we did lots of surveys. Yes, mo- most families did want to return. That was really important. So then we spent lots of time on reopening plans. And what do reopening plans look like? And what do we need to consider? And, you know, PPE and, um, and, uh, physical distancing and different uses of our space and our campuses. And so all of those plan, you may think about, I know, Rick, you were, a, you were a, a principal planning for the, the first day of school in, in, in a world that has totally changed. It was, um, really, really phenomenal. Again, that level of creativity using, outdoor space. We're blessed to be in sunny Southern California so that, uh, you know, tents were going up and and, um, outdoor spaces were uh, classroom spaces. Um, Pastors were wonderful because they allowed schools to move into the parish halls and construct these these kind of makeshift uh, classrooms in the parish halls. We were, um, you know, parking lots. Some of our schools, you might see some desks out in the parking lot. It's really been great. And then uh, the, the other thing was um, hand-washing stations. <laughs> uh, some of our schools converted their traditional drinking fountains, which could no longer be used, <laughs> into hand-washing stations. I mean, it's, yeah. really, it's fascinating. It really, really is. And um, and I think very exciting. No, that's, that sounds wonderful. L- let me ask some bottom-line questions on this. There was a lot of talk about uh, how much children were going to be spreading COVID. And you can't get kindergartners to social distance. I'm sorry, no matter what you tell me, you right. can't hurt cats and yeah. you can't get kindergartners to social distance. How has that gone? I, I'm assuming we've had some infections. What's it been like, though? Has this been a, a constant bugaboo or is this something that's going better than anticipated? Or how would you describe yeah, uh, the experience yeah, so far? I, I, better than anticipated. I mean, if I if I look back to kind of July and August, you don't you don't know what it's going to look like. You know, the, the virus is there and it's real. One of the things that we're really committed to is transparency in, uh, in, in communication. And so by the end of September, beginning of October, we actually set up a, um, a COVID dashboard on our, um, on our OC Catholic Schools website and it's updated daily. And on that, that, uh, dashboard, we list all of the, our, all of our schools, the number of in-person staff and students that are on the campus. And then the number of positive cases broken down by staff and students and, um, and then that's uh, just running total. And so even as numbers, um, around us kind of in our communities were on the rise, the numbers at our schools, the number of positive cases really hasn't reflected the surges that we've seen in our communities. That's uh, remarkable. And I think it's remarkable. And I think that just goes to prove all of the work that our schools put into those reopening plans back in uh, in August, all of those safety protocols, um, you know, the mask wearing, the hand washing, the physical distancing, all of these things, they work. They work. Yeah. Our, our students are safe. Our teachers, our staff are safe. Most of those positive cases are contracted outside of the school. To date, we have not had any infection that's been passed along at any of our schools. It has wow. not, it has not passed at any of our schools. And so, uh, again, I just think that that speaks volumes to those health and safety protocols that were set way back in August. I just want to make sure we've said that again. 
So since you began uh, a third of the way through September, and now we're about a third of the way at the taping now of, of for January, you've had no verified passages of the virus on campus. That is correct. That is correct. Wow. Um, that's something that we're very proud of, and I, want, and I want people to understand that, that our schools are really the safest places for our staff, for our teachers, and for our students. Why are we locked down? <laughs> We're not going to go there for the rest of it, but <laughs> well, from a, from a and, school and perspective, why, why are we still yeah. locked down as a state from, a, from the school perspective? And that's, you know, one, one of the other pieces of that, and it's a really important piece, is that our, our parents have done a great job. If their student is, you know, has a fever, isn't feeling well, has a, has a cold, something like that, they keep them home. But what's helped parents say, yes, it's okay for my child to stay home? Are those schools that offer that distance learning option? Because it's not oh, if, if the child is yeah. engaged in learning, they can sit at home. You know, maybe a sniffly nose, and 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 maybe in past years you would have sent your child to school with a, with a sniffly nose. This year, parents have been very very good at adhering to those guidelines, even at home, to make sure that the infection is not brought into the school setting. So again, that that real um, commitment to uh, to the common good and, and making sure that our schools continue to operate uh, in person. So let me make sure I get that right. So if a student is going to be home, I assume for more than a day or two, but if they're going to be uh-huh. home with an infection that could put them on quarantine for a couple of weeks, you've worked out an option for them to be able to have access to some form of online education from one of the other schools or from within their own school? Right. It's primarily from their own school. You know, the, the other school that we do have uh, uh, as an online option is, uh, is St. Polycarp School, which is a fully, fully online schools. And so those schools, uh, and like I said, about 10 of our schools do not have an online option. Some of those families who wanted that online option have enrolled in St. Polycarp this year. Okay, so I want to come back to that when we come back. So for the ones that have gone back, and you mentioned St. Polycarp is totally, completely online, but the ones that have come back, if they do have a child that goes that goes down, for COVID for a couple of weeks, because once you get identified, you've, you've got a quarantine. Uh, right. That means that they're not going to necessarily lose out on all the education, and in fact, they'll have a very good option for being able to keep up on what they're able to keep up with. That's correct, yes. That's absolutely fantastic. We're talking with Dr. Aaron Barasana, who is superintendent of Catholic schools for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, and we've been talking about the remarkable performance of the Catholic schools in our diocese this year. Contrary to what a lot of people predicted or worried about or thought, we've had no transmissions of the virus that are known on campus at any of our Catholic schools, and that the ability for students to successfully engage in, in in-person education has been tremendously successful, and the numbers have been growing. When we come back, I want to make sure that we have a chance to talk a little bit more about that online option, and I want to talk a little bit more about how this has impacted our teachers' lives and your own, because I understand it's affected you too, Dr. Barisano. And you're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. We'll be right back. Catholic Radio and Podcasts, making a difference for those living on the margins in our communities. And I drove down to Venice Beach, where I knew it's close to me, and I knew that there's lots of homeless people on Venice Beach. So I went down there, and all I did with nothing in my hands, all I did was go up to homeless people and just say, Hi, what's going on? How are you doing? And 
what the response was was an immediate kind of look on their faces like you care you you, you acknowledged you want to know about me and i found that they would prefer to just be acknowledged to just have a conversation than to just be handed a bottle of water or a buck Check out Empowered by the Spirit with Deacon Steve Greco, Sundays at noon on Relevant Radio, or come find the podcast at occatholic.com slash radio. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you high atop the Tower of Hope in beautiful Garden Grove, California, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is Dr. Aaron Barasana. We have been having a marvelous time talking about the successes of Catholic school in this year of COVID, that despite the the great disruptions that COVID has put on the entire state of California and throughout the world, that our Diocese of Orange, by by stepping up in, in, in both faith and preparation, have been able to conduct so far this year an education program in person and online, but in person, that has not resulted in a single verified case of COVID being transmitted on any one of our campuses. And this has been September, October, November, December. We're into January. We're about halfway through now, you know, knock on wood, but that's <laughs> remarkable. I'm thrilled that, yes. that what it sounds like, just, just putting it to bed for a moment, we've had a stellar performance then on <laughs> our schools. <laughs> Being able to, especially when you compare it to the alternative that's out there. I'm sorry, I, I I don't want to denigrate in any way the public schools and their teachers. The teachers are dedicated; they're wonderful people, but they're not in session other than online. And their online programs, I, I keep hearing problems. We though yeah. have an online program as well. Do we have similar problems with our online program as the public schools have had? And if not, why not? What's the difference? What's going on with this? So the short answer is we've not had the same problems with uh, with our online program. You know, there are always, um, when you're working with technology, potentials for glitches and things like that. But, in, in, uh, you know, in, in terms of kind of widespread uh, issues or problems, we have a, a real commitment. And one of the things that we did um, early on was to set teaching standards. And so when you're talking about online instruction, you know, it, it can be as little as just posting things for students to do on their own, or it can be highly engaged, which, uh, you know, we now have to have platforms such as, uh, as Zoom and Google Classrooms to where, where the teacher is uh, teaching, you know, in real time to his or her students. And so we wanted to make sure that those those touch points and those uh, those real time uh, instruction was taking place. And so you know th- those are part of those expectations that we set for our teachers that it's not just giving uh, kids assignments. This, these aren't independent study uh, programs that our families have come to us for. This is real uh, true engagement. I do think that that goes back to that um, you know those communities, those communities of faith that, that we're committed to. And and what better way to uh, to be in relationship with your 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 children, with your students, and your parents than to really ensure that that you're spending time with them, right? So I think that that's something that's gone gone very well and is is a real difference for us. We do uh, uh, have a, a full um, online option, as as you mentioned, and, and we started talking about that's gone remarkably well, and that's uh, that's St. Polycarp School in Stanton which is a kindergarten through eighth grade, uh, fully online uh, school. 
uh, highly engaged uh, teachers and uh, and students, and um, we're really excited about what we were able to do so quickly. You know, this came up uh, in June of last year that we made this decision to, to switch and, and to offer this to our families. It's gone remarkably well, and um, we're, you know, looking ahead as to, to how we can improve upon it for next year. Now, I understand that you've even had some people enroll who are not anywhere close to being within commuting range. Is that true? That is true. I, I think one of the, um, you know, one of the benefits of, uh, of online education is it breaks down barriers of, of you know, uh, of distance. And so, um, so we do have uh, some families um, outside of our diocese and, and even, you know, as, as far away as the Pacific Northwest. Wow. And so that's uh, that, that's really exciting because it, it just broadens the scope, right? Portland, send us your kids. There you go. <laughs> All right. So that's been going well. I, I had the experience this summer of teaching a course at UCR online. Um, I had one of my TAs was uh, actually staying up in the in the Truckee areas up north and doing her duties there. And the kids seemed to do better than I did. I had more of a, of a difficulty. I'm an old man, though. But I had more of a difficulty trying to relate to my students. The students seem to adapt as fine. They've been online since they were kids. They're just right. having to, to do it now. You know, we, we were all BC before computer. And what I noticed, though, was that the students who wanted to engage were, were very engaged in what they were doing. The ones that wanted to kind of fake it could and get away with it because there isn't nearly as much personal interaction. And that's at the college level. How do you augment that at the eighth grade level, let alone the kindergarten, first grade level? How does that work? Right. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And, um, and right, even in person, you're going to have those, those students who disengage. And, again, I think going back to our small size, has allowed kind of that personal touch to uh, for those students who maybe uh, are, are shying away from this or who are not fully engaged on the online platform. But teachers um, have the ability to, you know, reach out to them, whether that be in class or outside of class. And then going back to the, the, that involvement of our parents as well. And, uh, and continuing to, uh, to involve parents in, uh, in the education of their children. So I think that those things have, uh, have allowed us to, um, to really draw in those students that maybe this is, uh, um, less than comfortable for. So when we're talking about an online option, especially for younger kids, we are probably then still talking about a very parental involved situation. Yes. So for a, if we're looking for an online option, we, the, the hard reality of having COVID out there and doing an online program for younger students is that you, the parent is still going to have to do a lot of the, the classroom management has happened to get home. I guess that's the way. Yeah. You put that's it. A, I think that's a very realistic way of, of, of putting it. And that is the reality. And, and again, that's an option for some of our families and, and they really appreciate that role that they play in their child's education. And so um, I think it's important that we honor that and um, and then offer options and in, in ways to partner with them in that. Well, and this has got to be a, a huge relief to some families whose children have special needs uh, or who are have health issues that would make it very difficult if they did catch COVID. So to be able to have an right. online option at home certainly would allow for the education to continue without the risk that would That's be involved, yeah. that even though you haven't yeah. had um, COVID passed, still parents are going to worry every day that they send their child off, is this the day? 
And so yeah. this is a way to be able to mitigate that. So let's talk Absolutely. a little bit about that and the impact on families. Uh, how has your staff fared and your teaching staff, your principals? Have you had a, a, a lot of people having to go down? Yeah, not not a ton. Again, we, we keep track of it on, on our dashboard. It's been interesting that it's now with the kind of exposure, you know, redefining with, with so many people on outside of our schools having it, family members uh, have to be in quarantine and that's removed them from the classroom, so to speak. And so I would say that's had a bigger impact than actual uh, infection. Um, I have had, um, let's see, a, a few staff members that themselves have had it or a family member has had it. I'm currently uh, working from home right now. We're, we're in isolation when uh, my, uh, my child is recovering from I COVID, heard that so. rumor. So we'll, yes. we'll, we'll come back to that in just a second. I want to get your take okay. on it as a mom in a minute, but keeping your superintendent hat on for just a second. So you've sure. been dealing, though, with, with families that are going out, not so much because they themselves have COVID, but because a family member has been exposed or has right. it, and they, therefore, have to stay home, too. Right. Do you have a huge cadre of specially trained substitutes or do you rotate people around or move them to an online? How do you work with yeah, that? That, that sounds I, very I challenging, say, too. I would say that's been one of our biggest challenges. It, it really has. Is, is that If a teacher um, is well but is in isolation, it's been really, really interesting with technology. The teacher can still teach remotely. Um, and zoom into the classroom, but you still need somebody physically there yes. to manage the students. It really, I mean, it's, it's the, you know, it's the school of the future. When we were, wow. <laughs> when we were yeah. teaching, maybe even two years ago, I mean, really, <laughs> the, the school of the future, because, uh, uh, we've had that too, where, uh, you don't need a, a qualified substitute, so to speak, but you do need someone in the classroom, but the teacher is still able to, to teach. And so a lot of really interesting, creative things going on. You know, obviously, if if, uh, if people are sick, um, they need to recover and, and, um, and need that time at, uh, at home and to get healthy again and to, to regain, regain strength. And so... I want to, um, you know, be, be very clear that the health and um, of our of our staff is um, is really our, our priority. How's your son? He's doing fine. It, it is a long recovery. You know, he's uh, he was healthy going into it, so it's the fatigue um, I anticipate will last a while. But the, the fever kind of drags you down. But um, when it's in your home, if the anxiety level goes up because I mean, think about going to the store, how how careful you are sure. and uh, bringing that home, right? Uh, wearing masks in, in the house and lots of hand sanitizer and washing. And so, is your son kind of uh, cooped up I, in his room with the door closed for most of the day? He, he is. Poor he, guy. He really is. <laughs> yeah, poor guy is right because uh, that loneliness steps in <laughs> sure. too. You know, sure. we're we're uh, we're social beings. Well, then, so um, in part, particularly yeah, kids. Then you walk into his room spraying Lysol and. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, we'll we'll pull through. <laughs> Has the rest of your family so far been able to avoid it? Then, we as have. far as you know, okay. we have. Wow. As far as far as we know, you know, our test came back negative. It's been it's been interesting to say the least. So um, we've, uh, by the grace of God, you know, con- continue to be healthy. It sounds like the grace of God has been with the schools and your family for for this year so far. Uh, not to to uh, not to presume anything, but thank God for that. Well, 
You know, you know what, Rick. One of the things I I, um, I, I haven't mentioned our um, our theme this year for our Catholic schools is actually grace and gratitude, and we um, we decided on that early on. Um, we we wanted something to kind of uh, really hold us together this year, and even in times of of, of crisis um, and and when there are obstacles and challenges, uh, we're so blessed. We are so so blessed, and for those blessings. Um, we wanted to make sure that we expressed our, our gratitude and, and recognize that uh, that it's really God's grace that has been leading us through this. Um, and so, uh, so we absolutely we, we refer to grace and gratitude a, a lot this year. Okay, grace and gratitude is indeed uh, embraced. When we come back, we have Catholic Schools Week that traditionally comes up. I want you to tell me if I were a parent and thinking about coming to Catholic school but not quite sold. I want you to tell me why it is we should consider sending our children to the Catholic schools here in the Diocese of Orange. But but hold on to that until we come back. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is Aaron Verasano, who is the superintendent of Catholic schools. We're talking about the, the successes of Catholic education this year, remarkably, uh, in spite of COVID. And we'll continue talking about that when we come back. Here's Katie Dawson's Catholic Family Minute. The foundation of how we live well and love well in these challenging days is all about our perspective and the lens we bring to our daily choices. No matter how many times I hear this story, it rings true. A mother was preparing pancakes for her son, Kevin, and his younger brother, Ryan. The boys began to argue over who would get the first pancake. And the mother saw the opportunity for a moral lesson. She said to them, if Jesus were sitting here, he would say, let my brother have the first pancake. Kevin thought about that for a moment. His eyes grew wide and the mother thought that she had convinced him. And then he turned to his younger brother and said, Ryan, you be Jesus. So many times in my day, I find myself thinking, Why can't my friend be more like Jesus? Why can't that clerk be more like Jesus? When all the while, the question I need to be asking is, why can't I be more like Jesus? You've been listening to Katie Dawson's Catholic Family Minutes. Tune in for a new episode every Wednesday on the Diocese of Orange Facebook page. And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today has been, and continues to be, Aaron Barisano, Doctor of Education, who is also Superintendent of Catholic Schools for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange. And before I go any further, I, I want to stop and, and say thank you very, very much, Dr. Barisano, for spending this hour with us. I know your time has been precious, and especially during this year, it has been so taken up. Thank you for coming in and, and being willing to chat with us for a little bit. Thank you. It's been my pleasure, Rick. And while we're thinking about how wonderful this year has been, and I, I'm still taken aback by a couple of those numbers, the 75th percentile for for testing is remarkable. And then you've been building on that with keeping our kids in school in ways that have been engaging. This has been a very successful year. And then, of course, the health being 
so far, knock on wood, praying in gra- the, for the grace of God to continue, no known spread of COVID on any of the campuses, and we've been there for five months. This is truly remarkable, but nevertheless, I may not necessarily be sold if I'm just listening as to why my children need a Catholic education. Dr. Barisano, this is Catholic Schools Week coming up. What What is it about Catholic schools, really, long-term, not just this year of COVID, but long-term, sure. that it's an expensive option? Why would I want to to do this? Yeah, yeah, no, and I, um, I, I can can appreciate that. You know, I, I think that the investment that we make in our in our children, um, whatever that looks like, carries them on for for the rest of their lives. And and Catholic schools, I think, really is the best investment. We're committed to uh, to creating people with uh, with a strong moral compass, rooted in gospel values. That community, that sense of community and belonging. Children know that they are loved, that they are um, uh, made in the image and likeness of God. These are things that, you know, they, they don't get at, at, the, at our public school counterparts. We're in, in Orange County where there are, are many, many fine um, public school options, and children do get a good um, uh, academic option at, at the public schools. But Catholic schools are committed to that development of the whole person. And by the whole person, I do mean the spiritual piece of uh, uh, as God has created us, that emotional piece, and really ensuring that our children flourish and to be the people that God has created them to be. We're able to do this because of the courageous and faithful leadership at our Catholic schools, in our, in our presidents and our principals. Um, we're able to do this because of our committed teachers who are there every day. They are role models of the faith, of uh, people of integrity, of people who work hard, have a, have a strong work ethic, and who truly, truly want to make a difference in our world. Uh, we're able to do this because of our parent community, um, who is also committed to our mission and partners with us. We're able to do this because of our parish communities who, um, who supports Catholic education in our diocese. And so this, it's this whole, you know, formula that really, really sets Catholic schools apart from, uh, from our public school counterparts. When I used to give the speeches back at the Catholic Schools Week to the... Because you also then start having uh, open houses as well, and, and prospective people come in, especially those with kindergarten students. They don't realize mm-hmm. sometimes this is when you need to sign up, is now. You don't wait because you might not get a spot. But right. when families start into Catholic school, they're not only signing their kids up for an, a good academic education and good moral values... The parents are going to be involved with these usually one grade per school. So there's one first grade, one third grade, one sixth grade. Right. Which means you get to know everybody in the school. You're going to go to birthday parties together. You're going to run some of them to soccer practice. You're you're going to be helping them with homework when someone's sick. And over the course of years, these are going to become your friends, too. Their parents are, are going to be your friends, you're building a community unlike what happens anywhere else. And I'm not just talking in, in public school, really right. anywhere else. It's even more than, than in most parishes because our kids are involved and it's about trying to grow our kids together. And they build lifelong friends 
and you build lifelong friends. And that's something you don't get in the academic package that's put together by very good teachers in public schools. Right. It just isn't. And I think back to my own Catholic school experience and the friendships and the relationships that that I still have. When my dad passed away a couple years ago, at his funeral were people that he knew from Catholic elementary and high school that came to celebrate his life. I mean, the, the bond runs so, so deep. And I absolutely agree with you, Rick. It's this community that you build and, and these people become your family for, for life. And that's something that if we're looking at trying to, to sell someone on Catholic education, it really isn't about, in the end, trying to get them a better education. You can get them a great education um, right. by going to any other private school. And there are a number, as you put it, in Orange County especially, there are a number of good public schools that will give you a good academic mm-hmm. package. But it's also done it with four classes, four classrooms and five classrooms of fourth graders. And it's done where they can't really talk about the reason why we don't do immoral things is because there is a God who said no. And there is, more importantly, a God that loves you and says yes. And that is conveyed by every minister on campus. And one of the things that I, I loved about being in Catholic schools was everyone was a minister, from the principal down to the janitor. I mean, the janitor sometimes spent more time talking to the kids at lunchtime than the new aides right. did. And th- yeah. they, and then some of the boys who would every once in a while do a little bit more than they should in sixth grade, they were out with the janitor helping to clean the tables. That janitor's a minister too. And they all are yeah. because they all have a faith in Jesus Christ. And that's something that then gets passed on too. So if you were to try to say in a nutshell, summing it all up, What's the value of a Catholic education, Dr. Aaron Barrasano, Doctor of Education and Superintendent of Catholic Schools? Yeah, I, I think that our, our schools really are focused on preparing our students for heaven, college, and career. Ooh, I like and, that. And uh, we do this through um, a community of faith, and the impact lasts not only into this world, but, but really our goal is, is into the next. And so as a parent, I just I, I can't imagine who wouldn't want that for their children. It really is so true, and it's one of the things that some dioceses do it differently than other dioceses. And mm-hmm. I've noticed this diocese, especially the last few years, um, giving you some credit, um, the, <laughs> this diocese has been really focused on the bottom line is keeping your eyes on Jesus Christ. And yeah. the whole purpose for your child being here really isn't to get that great graduate program someday or to get that great job. That would be wonderful if they did, but it's to get them into heaven. And that's that's, right. that's done to the whole community. Dr. Barrasano, thank you so very much for being here. And I will be praying for your son and for your continued uh, good health, as well as for all of the schools. I hope that all of our listening audience will be not only praying for our schools, but if they have a child and they are either wanting to try something different than the public schools that they're in, or to inquire about what Catholic education is all about. This is a great time to do it. Traditionally, this is the time when a lot of kindergarten parents are being, their kindergartens are being chosen, isn't it? 
Right. It sure is. It sure is. And I just wanted to mention um, on our uh, uh, OC Catholic Schools website, we're putting up all of the Catholic Schools Week's uh, events, and many of those will be virtual this year, but um, even uh, virtual open houses and tours and things like that. So please, please come and, uh, and, and check us out. How would they find that? What's the what's your website's uh, address? It's occatholicschools.org. Okay, so occatholicschools.org. That's not directly yep. through the RCVO website. It's occatholicschools.org. That's correct. Okay. That's correct. Dr. Barisano, thank you very, very much for coming in. Again, your time is very precious, and I appreciate that you spent it with us and all of our listening audience. Would you please be so kind as to lead us in a word of prayer? Absolutely, and and thank you, Rick. Uh, this is a, just a, a great opportunity, and um, I'm always happy to talk about the great things going on at our schools. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Loving God, we thank you for the blessings that you've be- bestowed upon us in the Ministry of Catholic Education in the Diocese of Orange. We ask for your continued grace as we navigate this school year and uh, continue to uh, teach and to learn for your greater glory. Please keep us safe and always close to you. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Father, and the Son, and the the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. And you've been listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today has been Dr. Aaron Barasano, who is the superintendent of Catholic schools for our Diocese of Orange. And she had a lot of information about the Catholic schools, how wonderful they have actually done this year, uh, the tremendous test scores that have come through, partly because of the great dedication of the teachers and the dedication of the diocese to keeping an online presence going, though we've also seen great work through some of the online material. This has been a fantastic example of how the community of a Catholic school leads to that success through the grace of Christ, which is, of course, their theme this year. If you would like to hear this again or pass this podcast on to anybody else now that it's been broadcast, you can find it at occatholic.com, and there you'll find this podcast and all the other ones from the last couple of years. Again, I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank Dr. Ambersano for being here and for all the great hope that's in Catholic education. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and we'll see you again next week. Days of Praise, a daily guide toward transformation through praise by Deacon Steve Greco. January 16, Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 through 8. A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed some seed, it fell on the path, and birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, where it had little soil. It sprang up at once because the soil was not deep, and when the sun rose, it was scorched and withered for lack of roots. Some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew and choked it. But some seed fell on rich soil and produced fruit of a hundred or sixty or thirtyfold. My wife received a word from the Lord that we were to spread the seeds of our faith in a wider area. As we grow in holiness, I prayed that the tribulation in our life would not defeat us. As we increased in holiness, the lure of riches was not as important to us. 
I believe we are all living the parable of the seed. All of us receive the message of salvation from the Lord. It is written in our hearts. If we allow the devil to reject this message, then we block the grace and blessings of our Lord. However, for most of us, even if we do receive it, we allow the glamour of the world, the desire for wealth, pride, and or tribulations to choke out the abundant fruits of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that the seeds of our life will take root on fertile ground, so that we may build your kingdom. I praise you for planting your seeds in my life on a daily basis. 365 Days of Praise, a daily guide toward transformation through praise by Deacon Steve Greco. 365 Days of Praise is available now on Amazon Books or at spiritfilledhearts.org. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. Here's a word of inspiration from Father Christopher Smith, Rector and Episcopal Vicar of Christ Cathedral and host of the Cathedral Square radio show. We are all familiar with the word grace. Grace is an essential part of our Catholic life. Grace has to do with the movement of God within us. Grace is dynamic. Grace is God taking us somewhere. Grace is God showing us something. Grace is God reminding us of something or revealing something to us or grace is a solution to a problem. Grace is providing us with reassurance, healing us, reconciling us, nourishing us. Grace is God calling us to something. Grace is a gift. It cannot be earned. At the same time, it helps if we are open to receiving it. St. Augustine once said that grace builds upon nature. And what that means is that grace has to do with us. And grace works with what it has to work with. A major part of our spiritual life then is to be open to God's grace. And to let God's grace work within us. In these challenging times, it might be helpful for us to think about grace from the perspective of the spirituality of St. Ignatius of Loyola. This spirituality encourages us to pray for specific graces in specific circumstances of our lives and to pray for the openness to receiving whatever those graces may be. For example, the global coronavirus pandemic could prompt us to pray for the grace of patience as the ever-changing discoveries about the virus and the constantly changing guidelines for stopping its spread can continue to sometimes confuse us and weary us. The economic hardships that so many are experiencing now could invite us to pray for calmness in this time of the unknown. We could also pray for the grace of trusting in God through these hard times. With so many daily routines that are disrupted and families spending more time together, we could pray for the grace of cooperation in households. We could also pray for the grace of wisdom to guide us in our decisions. The recent unrest in the streets of our cities could urge us to pray for the grace of restraint. We can pray for the grace of cautiousness in situations of intense pressure to refrain from responses that will create more harm 
than the initial provocations. This is a time when the events of the world could provoke feelings of anger, fear, confusion, doubt, and even desperation. At the same time, with God's grace, it could also be a time of patience, calmness, trust in God, cooperation, restraint, cautiousness, wisdom, and even more. What is a specific grace that you might pray for this very day? This is the exact time to open ourselves to receiving grace and let God's grace do its amazing work. For more, go to OCCatholic.com or come find us at the Diocese of Orange Facebook page.